everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and for this month's entire main episode, we're not going to be doing multiple segments per the normal, but instead we're going to be talking about the upcoming 2019 Academy Awards. Uh, we're going to be giving our overall reactions and impressions, both for the show overall and the nominees, before we actually jump into making some hard predictions on uh, several of the year's hottest categories. I think for each category, we're going to uh, each um, me and each of our guests are going to be looking at talking about what film do we think is going to win versus which one's our favorite, or maybe they're a little different. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Uh, but I'm extra excited to introduce our entire panel of uh, guests we have today. First and foremost, of course, we're joined by reoccurring co-host of the Cinematic Schematic, writer and director of You People, and a new film he's going to tell us about at the end of the show, Freaky AF. Ron Chapman, welcome back. Hey, it's always good to be here. Always good to be here. We haven't had a good talk since like, I think October was last, November last time? Yeah, I think we did Hereditary. Uh, or Halloween. Was it Halloween? Halloween, you're right. It? Yeah. It was Halloween, you're right. It was Halloween. Nothing. Well, it's good to have you back on the show. Absolutely. Um, we're also going rejoined by a guest who joined us last year from our Fifty Shades Freed review, uh, Chelsea Raderman <laughs> from Geek Girl Features, uh, also recently voted in as a member of the Oklahoma Film Critics Circle. Chelsea, welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have you on. Very, very excited to introduce everyone to our next guest, who is a first-time guest on the Cinematic Schematic. Uh, you've probably read some of his work online over at Collider.com. Uh, he's written a ton of stuff about the this year's Oscars shows, uh, has has delivered all the takes, and I've read most of them. So I'm very excited to welcome Adam Chitwood, the deputy editor of Collider.com and another member of the Oklahoma Film Critics Circle to the show. Adam, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, guys. So before we get into our actual reactions, I do want to remind our listeners out there that they can find uh, this along with all of our Oscar-related content over at thecinematropolis.com. You can find all of that at thecinematropolis.com, or, or you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thecinematropolis, or on Twitter and Instagram at thecinematrop. And uh, of course, as always, the on your favorite podcast service. So without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and jump right into this year's Oscars. I just want to get your take. Are you guys looking forward to the Oscars? If so, how do you feel about the show and also the nominations? Adam, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with the Oscars. Uh, I grew up watching them. I love watching them every year. Uh, they are as infuriating as they are delightful. Um, this year in particular, it feels like the producers have no idea what they're doing. Uh, we know that very specifically last year, ABC sat down the Academy and was very upset with last year's ratings and basically forced them to get a show down to three hours also uh, lightly suggested the popular film category, also lightly suggested cutting categories out of the telecast. So we're seeing all of that come to pass, and that stuff really irks me because I don't think the Oscars should be a television show. I think it should be an award ceremony. It's one night a year. Let it be long. Like It's just celebrating movies. Just let them celebrate the movies. Aside from that, though, I think the nominations reflect an Academy in flux, uh, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, the former president of the Academy, made very strong strides to increase diversity in the Academy. Um, they had huge numbers of invites over the last few years of a lot more younger voters, more diverse voters. And I think we're seeing that kind of reflected in that the nominations aren't necessarily following some of the patterns like we normally see, like someone like Marina de Tibura getting a supporting actress nomination for Roma. There was really no precedent for it. She wasn't nominated for a SAG award. She wasn't nominated for critics awards. 
uh, it was just the Academy choosing to honor this performance, which as someone who has covered the Oscars professionally for a long time, seeing some of these stats fall away is interesting because you usually kind of had a pathway to follow. Um, but there's some interesting choices like that. There's some less interesting choices like Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody uh, that I'm not too thrilled about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's it, it's all right. I mean, we'll get into the stubs and stuff like that. But I'm always excited to watch the Oscars. I always enjoy watching it, uh, you know, just as a big fan of movies. So. Yeah, I think that's a great note to leave off on because at the end of the day, like I, I feel like uh, at least for myself, it, it, you have like a love hate with the Oscars every year because it's always like I want you to be better because I care so much about what you mean as an award show and how it reflects the where movies are today, where they're going to be out tomorrow. And I, I know it's like one of those things. It's like uh, every year I just want it to be a little better. This year in particular, though, I, I feel like that's uh, been heightened a little bit. Laron, you're nodding a lot over here. I, so, 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 I, what's your take? I have, I agreed. Uh, it's the kind of thing you look forward to every year. Um, but I feel like in particular this year, as you said, with a, a more diverse audience, we're seeing a lot more popular films. We're seeing a lot more. I mean, the, there's there was some obviously some notable snubs. Um, we'll get into that you know, later into the show. But it just feels like there was a disconnect between viewers, critics and then the Academy themselves, you know, because um, everyone seems to have a favorite film in the same top five and everyone seems to have a different one. So I, I just curious to me that lists that are there, that, that there's so many films that I think should be nominated for best picture this year that aren't. And then there's so many that are, that I is are just huge head scratchers for me. So we've got a lot of nods around the table for Bohemian Rhapsody uh, in the yeah. green, green book, especially. I think that's um, a good point. You bring out Laurent. Because I don't know if they know who their audience is. Are they trying to please the network? Are they trying to please viewers? Chelsea, how about you? So I might be a little bit on the, the opposite side here, but it's a pretty wide variety of films, but I think the ones that were nominated, we're seeing a pretty stiff competition. I think even seeing, you know, things coming out of the SAGs and the, the director's guild and everything like that, we're, we're not going to see a pattern. I don't think because the Academy has invited so many different people that potentially the votes that came out of SAG that, you know, they didn't have the influx of diverse voters like the sure. Academy's going to have. And I think we're going to see a winner that's going to be very different potentially than that is true. I mean, I feel like maybe we're going to see a lot of surprises because I, I right now have no concept as to what the front runner is. And every year there's one or two. I mean, I know we said Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book, but for the most part, it's it's unclear to me in every category who the front runner is, you know, with exception of a few obvious ones. But, you know, in general, I, I have no idea. Normally I'm like, I got this in the bag. Usually it seems like if you just follow the Guild Awards, you have a really high probability of being able to guess what all the picks are going to be. But it seems like the guilds this year were kind of all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Bohe again, Bohemian Rhapsody Black, and Green Book being favorites. But yeah. And I, I think we're going to see it where we're seeing, you know, Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody are winning. And I think the, the conversation has kind of been that it's been a lot of nostalgia votes because Green Book has potentially a movie that 10 years ago would have been nominated and would have been considered right. a front runner because it is, I mean, it's addressing a diverse topic, but again, it's your white savior movie. Yeah. And I think if we quit looking, I mean, well, what we always seem to do is that the, we're treating the Oscars like, cause I keep feeling like, for example, when like a moonlight one like that, okay, this means we finally reached the, where the Oscars need to be in terms of what they're selecting. Right. But every year is different. And, you know, we could 
fall right back to our old habits or or nominate a film that absolutely would have never thought would have gotten nominated. Right. And it just seems to be, sub, you know, subjective to each year. We even had uh, The Shape of Water last year, which right. you know, coming off of Moonlight and Shape of Water, it did f- seem like the Academy was being a little more open-minded about what films were selected. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, historically, they don't really go for genre films very often. And they and they certainly, not a whole lot of movies, movies primarily about African-Americans that win, that right. aren't like kind of the schmaltzy feel-good movies. Right. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a great point. But uh, let, let's go ahead and move on to the snubs. I, I'm just going to start this throw this out there because I, you know, I saw first reformed at South by Southwest last year, and you know it's one of those movies that it was so powerful I didn't know how I felt about it for like a solid like week. I was, yeah. I was chewing on it for a week, but there was one thing when I walked out, and then of course I saw it a second time and like came to my senses and I said this thing's a masterpiece, probably my favorite film of the year. And you know it's not everyone's favorite, but it, it was a film that I think stood out amongst the crowd last year. But one thing I knew for sure was that Ethan Hawke was. Tremendous. The, Tremendous. It, it was a. I, I feel like it is a career-defining performance for an actor that's generally underappreciated. The biggest snub for me was the fact that he didn't even get a nomination. Now the wins, you know, I think that's a little more up in the air. I don't think I would have been quite as frustrated or disappointed. But the lack of uh, nomination, even. I mean, to to say that he's in in the same leagues, he's in the leagues of one of the greatest performances of the year. I, I just think that's uh, <laughs> a, a huge bummer. Now, I now you know when you you feel like you're backing a horse so strongly, and you feel so strongly about someone even getting a nomination when they're not nominated i almost don't i'm not even as invested in that category yeah chelsea what is one snub that stuck out to you this year so i think the most surprising snub for me was how shut out mary poppins was because hollywood really loves to reward itself and be really nostalgic about all the things they love and mary poppins just did not did not get anything didn't get any love, you know, got no, to, no, no Emily Blunt, no, nothing, no, um, yeah, it's, I mean, and it's surprising. For, for how on the head mary poppins really was in terms of like trying to really tonally match the original. I, mm-hmm. It was just kind of a little little shocking to me. It did get Best Original Score nomination. Right. Of all the things, I mean, that's relatively minor compared to, it didn't win it, get nominated for any of the big prestigious awards. Right. Adam, how about you? Did you have any surprises or snubs that really stuck out to you this year? Yeah, there were a couple. I mean, I guess the big one for me was Bradley Cooper uh, not getting in Best Director, which I I mean, he seemed like a shoe in there. Um that director's branch just has some weird thing about actors turned directors. I don't know if it's jealousy or what, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you look at that movie and think, eh, it's not one of the best directing movies of the year. If you look at the shot choices, the composition, the editing, it, every single approach to that movie just blew me away. Um, so I was pretty shocked about that. Although I will say on the flip side, I was kind of delighted to see Pavel Pavlikowski nominated for Cold War. Um, yes. so it was yes. an upsetting snub, but uh, also kind of fun to see um, Pavel getting in there. You know, you trade off. You, you can't get both, Adam. You've got to for you to get like a cool surprise. There's got to be a sacrifice that's made somewhere. Apparently. I mean, can <laughs> we can we throw Adam McKay on that sacrificial pile then and get Bradley Cooper in there? Is that fine. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Listen, I like Vice, but I just that was you know it's one of those, I liked it, but when it showed up on all the, in all these categories, I was like, really. Uh, that's that's one of those films and and one of the things that that i'm always reminded of at the oscars every year because i go to the toronto international film festival where where a lot of these films launched that's where i saw star is born it was clearly the clearly the early front runner critical darling and then the critics awards start rolling in and roma and stuff and then vice opens and the reviews are kind of split they're kind of divisive and i'm like oh yeah that movie's not going to be a big deal but then the academy every year shows that they have different tastes. Like they're going to spark to something that maybe the critics didn't, that maybe the festival circus circuit didn't. And to me, vice was that movie this year. And I guess Bohemian Rhapsody, which we'll get to later. 
I, I yeah yeah no I think that's a great point uh, you know I don't think anybody uh, a year ago would have looking at this year's schedule said Bohemian Rhapsody best picture nomination no. yeah. and I don't think anybody after they watched it the first time said they said that either they, they were like walked out saying yeah best picture <laughs> uh, very interesting choices Laurent how about you any uh, notable snubs um I I second your first reformed um, both for best picture and best actor but um, to not say the same thing um, if Bill Street could talk not getting a best picture nomination yeah. was a huge one for me and um, also Tony Collette being snubbed out of best actress was another one too if nothing else you know she'd be nominated if the film wouldn't because they, they hate horror films apparently but I thought her performance and I was like she bore her soul into that performance and I was sure that it was strong enough to carry into the Oscars but no so it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> one of these days, I think Tony Collette's going to get some love because she's she's excellent. And, you know, it's funny. That was a, I really feel like at least in like the online sort of film scene and all the conversation and, and you know, pieces I read that we did see a lot of people really pushing to get Tony Collette in that conversation. And it just didn't quite well, happen. Because I remember when it premiered, everyone was like, this is an Oscar worthy performance in a horror film. I mean, right. that was what it was being, you know, um, advertised as, you know, that's how they were kind of selling it to the mainstream, you know, and and then I, when we saw it, we, we agreed. And so I, I, I know that, you know, again, it's a horror film and there's always a weird disconnect there. But I thought her performance was incredibly strong and it still resonates with me now. So oh, yeah. I mean, and, and hopefully, you know, having hereditary and I mean, a quiet place really didn't get anything. But we we've had such a run with horror movies that are giving such like Academy Level. you know, worthy awards that maybe we're going to see a bit of a turn with the Academy. Like they have given um, your genre films that maybe, maybe horror is going to start showing up a little bit more, which would be nice. Yes. Uh, again, it's one of those things we saw, uh, you know, the shape of water last year, mm-hmm. yep. best picture. So, you, you know, you're like, you're thinking baby steps. The Academy might start, considering genre films a little more. But Adam, just curious, did you have any thoughts on Hereditary? Because I know that was a, a movie that a lot of people liked. Did you have any thoughts, I mean, specifically as it relates to Tony Collette, but on the movie in general, did you ever think that was even in the conversation? I mean, it's always so hard to tell that early in the year, and especially given the Academy's aversion to genre. I mean, I think Suspiria was also one of, I know it's a divisive film, but the craft in that film was really astounding and it just got completely ignored as well. Tony Collette was certainly in the conversation. I think... I don't know what happened with A24 this year, but they they kind of dropped the ball a little bit in terms of uh, awards campaigns. I don't know if they were in a state of transition or something, but I mean, that's the other uh, side of this coin is a lot of it depends on uh, the studio's willingness and budget to get that campaign going. And I did feel like Tony Collette got kind of lost uh, when it came time for the awards um, in like November, December, whereas Disney, you know, they hired a top-notch Oscar uh, campaign strategist in, I think, March of last year and have just been shelling out tons of money to keep that going. And it worked. They got Black Panther in the best <laughs> picture category, which yeah. uh, we'll get to that later. Before we actually move into our predictions, one last question I wanted to ask the table. Uh, we've already mentioned several of our grievances. One of them, though, being the host. This seemed to be a really hot item. So uh, I want to get your your take, Laron. What do you think about this? So your thoughts on not having a host and also the Academy's decision to not air a few of those a few of those really important categories. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the fence here with the host um, because initially, I mean, I haven't obviously from nostalgic purposes, I'm, I would like to have had one um, just as, out of tradition. But also, I'm curious to know how smoothly the show will go without one. You know, will it feel like it's moving along quicker? Does, do, does the initial host opening, you know, um, you know, 
bogged down the experience. You know, I don't know. We're, I'm curious to know. Um, Chelsea, do you have any uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I have plenty of thoughts. Um, I really, actually really support the not having a host. I really think that not having a host, I mean, we're they're, they're going to have somebody that's going to do the shtick at the beginning, regardless. But they mm-hmm. disappear so for, for such lengths of time that we aren't really going to miss them. They have all the presenters that have their bits. You guys remember the last two years when Jimmy Kimmel hosted, and there was those little bits that actually did take quite a bit of time where they would follow the, uh, you know, the unknowing audience around. They, oh, they didn't know they were going to be coming to the Oscars live. I mean, those things took some time and I know that the idea is that they try to spice up and liven up the, the show, but at the end of the day, they aren't the awards ceremony right. and they do take up a lot of valuable time. So Adam, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the lack of a host this year? They clearly didn't plan it. Uh, I mean, Dwayne Johnson went public and said he was the first person approached to host the Oscars, but with these actors schedules, you have to get them early. It's really hard. I, I guess I'm fine with it. I think it's a job that nobody wanted. I know they went after a lot of people who turned it down. My favorite kind of Oscars host is kind of like a showman, like Hugh Jackman. I think he's one of the best hosts we've ever had. Someone who can kind of like liven it up. I don't love the whole, I mean, you can kind of go two ways. You can go the John Stewart route where you're playing towards the people at home who understand this is kind of silly that people are kind of giving out awards. Um, or you can go the other way where you kind of play up the sentimentality of the Oscars and stuff. Um, each one has its place. It's just hard. I think it's just a really hard thing. Uh, Kimmel was fine, but this year, ultimately, I mean, I'm curious to see how it turns out. I, are they going to open with like a clip show or like a musical number or something? I really don't know. Maybe, maybe this year will show us that we don't actually need a host. Let's go ahead and move into our actual predictions. As I mentioned earlier, I think the two main questions, I think for every category, we're not going to, I don't want to spend too much time really adding a ton of commentary to each category, unless there's like one you guys really want to talk about, which is cool. The two main questions I, I think for listeners, I want us to answer for each category is who in this category is your favorite of the picks and uh, who will win. And if you have a snub that you're just like, why isn't this here? Feel free to throw it in. So we're actually going to start with the screenplay categories. The screenplay categories, I think, are always a lot of fun because we see stuff that doesn't get nominated in any other category that's still really cool i think back to like spike jones's her a few years ago getting nominated for that one and winning uh last year we had logan which uh you know a movie that i loved but and and i'm really glad it got even got nominated just to be recognized as a a quality film but uh, you know it was never going to win anything um so this is one category i actually really look forward to uh every year uh the nominees for adapted screenplay are the ballad of buster scruggs black klansman can you ever forgive me if Beale Street could talk and a star is born? Adam, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, this is actually one of the categories I'm very happy with. I love all of these scripts and all of these movies. So uh, it's kind of tough. I think this one is actually between Black Klansman and If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, I am probably going to change my mind. I, I haven't decided yet on this one. Right now I have Black Klansman but it could very easily be Beale Street. I went with Black Klansman because that's what the BAFTAs went with. And I've been using the BAFTAs as a barometer a lot recently because they switched their ballots to more reflect what the Academy, how the Academy votes. Uh, they use a preferential ballot for best picture and stuff like that. So they can sometimes lead the way, they can sometimes lead you astray. But yeah, right now I have Black Klansman, which would be a very deserved Oscar for Spike Lee. 
By the way, hats off to Spike Lee finally getting some love all Absolutely. around. Um, that, that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, forty five. <laughs> he just he just single handedly, you know, kind of created urban cinema, and then he's just like, yeah, two, in twenty nineteen, we're finally like, hey, you know, give this guy some recognition. Like, he did, <laughs> he's done a couple of things. Well, great point, Laurent. Let's go ahead and pass it to you. What is what are you thinking for adapted screenplay? I agree. I think that this category, I'm actually very happy with all of the ones that are nominated here. But if it was up to me, I would go with um, if Bill Street could talk, um, mainly because I don't think it's going to win anything else. And um, so even though that I'm saying that as a consolation prize, it's absolutely deserving of one. And I think uh, Barry Jenkins um, um, obviously um, illuminated that script very well um, using uh, James Baldwin's really beautiful words, you know, so I think it was a very well adapted screenplay. So that would be my hands down pick. Chelsea, how about you? What, what are you picking for adapted screenplay this year? This was a really interesting category, and I think it's going to come down to Black Klansmen or A Star is Born for me. They were both pretty relevant, I think, by the time that they, they were released. Um, they And I, I think it's going to be A Star is Born because it, it's going to honor a little bit of Hollywood, and they they made it socially relevant with the, the addiction turn and the, the whole ending of it. So I, I think it's going to be A Star is Born. Okay. Yeah. Definitely like a great way to immortalize a story that's been told a, mm-hmm. a few times before. And if Bradley Cooper can't get a director nomination, you know, at least he can get get a chance at the screenplay. Yep. I think I'm also going to go ahead and throw my support behind Black Klansman. This is a great category. I think every single film in this category is really strong. Can You Ever Forgive Me was a really surprising film for me. I, I loved it. And I thought the writing uh, was was top notch. Uh, it was powered by incredible performances. Black Klansman, when I went in my top 10 last year, ended up at my number two, I don't know, by... Look, you know, I made that like a month or two ago, so now it's probably different, but it, it was a movie that really impacted me, and I think it struck a really great balance between the humor and the drama, the satire, and also beyond the satire, just being a critique and observation of the racism and how what existed in the 70s is still reflected in today. That ending swung for the fences, didn't work for everybody, worked really well for me. I'm not sure, this movie got nominated for a bunch, I'm not sure how many it's going to take home, but I think if it takes home any, I think the screenplay would be well-deserved. Let's go ahead and move on to original screenplay, where the nominees are The Favorite, First Reformed, Green Book, Roma, and Vice. And Chelsea, we'll start with you on this category. This is a really hard one because I love The Favorite. Like, I love The Favorite, but I think that we're going to see the trend potentially with this one and see a green book win, which breaks my heart. (laughs) Um, So... For the life of me, I don't know why it would be Green Book. I don't. I I, I don't. I feel it feels like the most generic, basic. Like we've seen this movie a million times, done better. Um, But it is winning um, a lot of these huge festivals and a lot of these award ceremonies. So I'm going to say that's probably going to win. But if it were up to me, First Reform deserves that script, that that original screenplay award. Um, And since it's the only thing it's nominated for. I also, again, want you know, want to want to. Let's you know, double down on saying it's, down, it gets one award this year, and it, if it's the only category <laughs> it wins, because it is the only category it's in, I would be happy with that. So, okay, all right, Adam, what do you think? Uh, I've got the favorite down to win this one. Baftas went with favorite, and I'm hoping that means that Green Book doesn't get this. It may, it may just be me, my wishful thinking. Yeah, I could very easily see Green Green Book winning this, or it could be a thing of uh, you know, like American American Hustle got a ton of nominations a few years ago, and everyone was like, oh, the Academy loves American Hustle, but it didn't win anything. So it's possible it goes that way. I agree. I think First Performed is probably my favorite script in this out of this bunch. Great observations all around, and I, I'm going to go ahead and favorite First Reformed. 
But I also, you know, I'd honestly be really satisfied with The Favorite and First yeah. Reformed. I, I think The Favorite is uh, Yorgos Lanthimos's most accessible movie to date. And I think it's because he had an exceptional script to work yeah. with. I mean, the writing in it was just, it was snappy. You know, it had all those idiosyncratic beats we love from that director. Yorgos Lanthimos is a very special director. So to have a script from someone who knows how to write to his strengths, I think is is really special. One other note too, and this is gonna, I know this is gonna become a common theme. I, I wanna say it was Deadline or Vulture wrote a piece of detailing the history of like the Oscar air quotes villains. Mm-hmm. And they were, they talked about, you know, like La La Land versus Moonlight a couple years ago. And the yeah. other one was like, oh my God, can't be uh, La La Land. And I know even going back to uh, The Revenant a few years ago, everyone's like, oh no, The Revenant got a million nominations. It's gonna win everything. Yeah. But I think to Adam's point, American Hustle is a great example of just because you get nominate a lot of nominations doesn't mean you're actually going to get the wins so i think that's something when everyone's making their predictions balance on oscar night something to consider as well leron on original screenplay i'm with you first reformed got nominated for one movie or sorry one category this year let's give it the one award let's give it the one award uh which takes us to another really important category cinematography now i put this here we actually i actually drafted the show notes before the announcement had rolled out yeah. that it wasn't going to be televised so i'm just gonna say we're gonna take extra time to talk about how great the cinematography was this year so the nominations were cold war we had oh boy i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this name uh lucas zal uh for cold war you have robbie ryan for the favorite you have Caleb Deschanel for Never Look Away, uh, Alfonso Caron for Roma, and oh boy, Matthew Libatique. Sure. For uh, A Star is Born. Adam, we'll start with you on this one too. Do you have any particular opinions on cinematography? I have lots of opinions on cinematography, always. Um, but uh, this category, I, the, I spoke earlier about the Changing Academy. I think this category speaks to that. No one that I and I follow a lot of Oscar prognosticators. No one had Caleb Deschanel for Never Look Away. No one had seen that movie. So it's kind of neat in a way that like the cinematographer's branch was just like, we like this movie, we like this cinematographer. Here you go. Here's a nomination. Um, although it was a bummer to see James Laxton not nominated for Bill Street Talk or uh Lena Sandgren for First Man, uh, which I thought was exceptional as well. Or I mean, uh one of my major picks was Rob Hardy from Mission Impossible Fallout, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I was looking to see if Corone would get nominated in this branch by the cinematographers because he is a director. He doesn't even have any guild recognition with cinematographers. Uh, he famously took this movie over from Emmanuel Lubezki, who was supposed to shoot it and then had to leave due to scheduling difficulties. But the fact that the cinematographers felt like confident enough to put him in there, I think he's he's got the win. Um, what he does with just the form in this movie, cinematography wise is pretty, uh, insane. Um, but I also really love Maddie Lee Boutique's work in a star is born. I think it's, uh, it's easy to overlook, but the, the specificity of shot composition in that film, I think is really impressive. Um, and the design and, and a lot of the lighting that he comes up with. So, um, I think that A Star is Born may be my favorite, acknowledging the fact that Roma is like groundbreaking cinematography. Uh, yeah, well noted. Uh, you know, I think that speaks to, uh, not to get too off uh, off the beat, but uh, when I made my top 10 this year and I made look at my entire list, uh, Roma did not make my top 10, but I felt guilty because, I, I, you know, you're saying that like, this movie is a masterpiece. And I think this kind of, uh, I have the same feeling with the cinematography here, which is it is 
exceptional and what Caron has consistently done with, with the cinematography going back to uh, you know Children of Men and we saw Gravity a few years ago is he's really pushing the envelope on what can be done with a camera. You know, you acknowledge it's a, he's he's fantastic as craft, uh, but uh, at the same time, I have that same feeling where I think uh, the favorite's probably my favorite in this one, uh, in this particular category, um, just because I really like how experimental some of those shots got, even if I think, uh, to your point, Roma uh, is the the clear front runner and uh, also well-deserved. Chelsea, uh, what, do you, what are your picks for cinematography? I think I'm going to have to second um, Adam on the A Star is Born opinion there. I really think that a lot of, especially with the lighting choices in A Star is Born and how just focused it was and, you know, it really brought gaga up and it really focused on her in such a way that you really kind of i mean you know who gaga is whenever you see her on the screen you know who she is but i think that a lot of the cinematography choices really were able to separate gaga from her character and i really think it helped her give a better performance so i would definitely have to second a star is a star is born there Excellent. So that's two for A Star is Born. Uh, LaRon, what's your pick? Okay, so my favorite one is A Star is Born. I did this not when I saw getting nominated for cinematography, but I agree with you, having seen it four times in theaters <laughs> now, um, that it was it, that is one aspect of the film that I did not pay attention to the first couple of times. But by the third or fourth time, I did really notice just how beautifully shot it is. It is. And so I think it's absolutely deserving to be in this category, but not one again that I thought would be, um, that would likely be there. But I think Personally, um, it would be between Cold War and Roma for me, with um, leaning more towards Roma um, for just holistically for the film. But um, so I, I see Roma taking this award for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, great uh, picks all around. I, and I, I think at the end of the day, any one of the films in this category uh, winning would be, I'd be, I'd be pretty satisfied with overall. So it sounds like we all pretty much like everyone uh, that takes us to best documentary feature. So the nominations for this category are free solo hail County this morning, this evening, minding the gap of fathers and sons and RBG. Uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about snubs, but uh, I just want to acknowledge that the one that everyone I think was pretty uh, was expecting we're expecting to see here was "Won't You Be My Neighbor." Mm-hmm. So that not making the list a little bit of a surprise. Apparently, no one wanted to be his neighbor. Ooh, Ouch. man, it's fine. We'll remember you forever, Mister Rogers. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, that said, I think this is a, a really exceptional lineup uh, as well. Laron, do you have any documentaries here that really stuck out to you this year? Hill Country was my favorite. Um, and I also think it's the front runner in this category, but, uh, minding the gap was also very good. Um, you know, um, RGB seems relevant to the current political climate, but again, I don't think those are the people nominating these films. <laughs> so, um, I think that it'll be between hell country and minding the gap, but leaning towards hell country. Okay. Hell country. All right. Uh, Adam, what is your pick for best documentary? Hell County. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mining the Gap is my second favorite film of last year. Uh, it really blew me away. So that's my favorite of this bunch. Um, I don't know. The, the This category is weird because a lot of times the Academy voters will vote for the movie that makes them feel good or the movie that's more entertaining rather than the movie that's more important. Like 20 Feet from Stardom, one over The Act of Killing, uh, like Amy, one over Cartel Land. Um, not that the winners are bad films, but they kind of have a type. So I have a feeling it might be Free Solo or RBG. Um, and I, I have mixed feelings on RBG. I think portions of that documentary are good, but portions I, I'm not super crazy about. Um, namely the whole, like, let's talk about millennials. <laughs> I, any, anytime they bring that into a documentary these days, I'm like, I, you always like roll your eyes you a little sneer bit. A little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
but I've seen a lot of uh, industry people uh, and actors, especially, really responding to Free Solo. It's kind of an inspiring story. It's kind of a jaw-dropping story, and I think they've done a really good job of marketing that one. Um, but honestly, it's kind of a toss-up. I, I could see any one of these five films winning. But my pick right now is Free Solo. Okay. All right. Uh, Chelsea, what is your pick for uh, documentary? I really think Adam and I are going to be sitting on the same side of the table on a lot of this <laughs> point. Um, so I think my pick to win this one is Free Solo. It was just so intense and, you know, so inspiring that I think that a lot of a lot of the Academy voters are going to respond to it. Um, I actually just recently saw RBG, and I think that that one's a little too problematic cons- considering the the political climate that we're currently in. So I don't think that one's going to win, but I did love it. Mm. Yeah, I think um, you and Adam do raise a really great point. Uh, I'm also going to echo you and Adam. My my personal pick is Mining the Gap. I think that was a a really powerful documentary. Uh, just telling such a I mean the story over so many so many years and and, and seeing uh, how true to life like this story is. And it was funny because uh, mid nineties came out over this year and I saw those like within a week or two of each other. I, I want to yeah. say it was super close together. And I was like, wow, well, sorry about you, Jonah Hill, but uh, there's a, re- <laughs> you know, there's a cool drama you made, but also this other things over here is actually the real kind of the real deal. Sure. Um, but um, I, I do think free solo had an incredible marketing campaign. I've seen that documentary. It's had legs. It's been around for a long time yes. going back to this being a year where it seems like they're leaning more into into what feels good. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. free solo is a, uh, is a uh, going to be, the, the front runner there um but yeah i know again another really uh, all-around great category let's go on to best foreign language film now this one's interesting because of course roma is nominated but it's also nominated for best picture i want to say if any of you guys have checked this i read i think there's only been two or three other films that have ever been nominated for both best foreign language film and best picture so you, you get into kind of one of those uh you kind of you kind of get into one of those if it wins Best foreign film will win best picture and vice versa. You know, is can it win both? Um, but the total rundown on the nominees are uh, uh, Capernaum, uh, Cold War, Never Look Away, Roma, and Shoplifters. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, we'll start with you on this category. What is your pick for best foreign language film? So my pick is going to be Roma. Um, saw it. It was absolutely amazing. The a lot of the choices that Guaran made were just inspiring honestly they were inspired so i really think that they're going to look at roma for foreign language and i really think that that's going to make it a better contender for best picture because i think seeing a lot of crossover with the diversity that we're seeing coming into the academy that we're gonna be seeing more crossover in these categories yeah very cool uh laron what about you you know um I would prefer to see Roma win Best Picture than Best Foreign Language Film because um, I think it's the strongest film in that category. Um, but um, it's a it's a masterpiece, so I think that I think that it winning Best Foreign Language Film would be at least walking away with a really prestigious award. If I were to actually choose one in this category, though, it would it would be Cold War. Um, but um, considering Roma being, you know, it. N- uh, not getting something at all, you know, and, and in any other case, I'd rather have it, you know, win in at least one category. So this would be a great one for it to be. Okay. So you're thinking, uh, it's going to go with Roma, but we, your should, heart, your, my heart should be, my heart says that cold war should win best foreign language film, okay. but that Roma will. Okay. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Uh, too. Good observations. Uh, Adam, what are your picks for, for best foreign language film? Uh, I have Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have Roma. Um, I, 
it's hard for me to think that someone would mark down Roma as best picture and not mark it as best foreign language film, but I would not be upset if Roma won best picture and Cold War won best foreign language film because I think Cold War is also really impressive. Yeah, uh, Cold War, a uh, top-notch film. I don't know. It, it did start to get a little more traction in playtime at the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, a film that didn't get a huge marketing push, so hopefully some of our listeners out there, Cold War, I think we, we around the table we're all in agreement that Cold War is a really exceptional film that must be seen, so make sure to check that out uh i'm gonna i'm gonna break from the table a little bit on this one i do agree that roma is almost certainly going to win uh this best foreign language film because it's also nominated for best picture um i I actually thought shoplifters Mm -hmm. was incredible uh and i have a soft spot for films set in japan so that bias is there uh but not it, it wasn't just a film that was set in japan it was a film that featured you know underprivileged people in japan which you know uh, i've watched uh, you know over the years a lot of anime a lot of films set in japan very rarely do you get a look at the underclass or the lower class in japan specifically in the last like say 20 or 30 years it's not super common that at least not that i've seen a lot of films that get the kind of push that shoplifters d- did so uh, and i also want to say one uh the cons upon the poor uh, the the grand prize at, at con so uh another very deserving film uh but uh, you know honestly if any of these took it or I mean, it, it, whether shoplifters roma or cold war i think it'd be great but ultimately i think roma is going to take it this takes us to uh, our next category, which is the supporting actor category. And the nominees are Mahershala Ali, Adam Driver, Sam Elliott, Richard E. Grant. Can't forget the E guys. Uh, <laughs> and Sam Rockwell. Lauren, we'll start with you. What do you who's your pick for this film? Um, for this for this category, I really loved Sam Elliott and A Star is Born. I, I want it more scenes with him so that is for me was a huge indicator that that character really in that performance really resonated with me um it's a very small role but a very pivotal one i think in the film um so sam elliott would be my personal choice who i actually think will win i'm leaning towards mahershala even though he recently won you know for um moonlight so I want to make sure I got the Sam straight. We're going Sam Elliott, not Sam Rockwell. Not, you don't think Sam Rockwell is going to have, uh, he's going to go for doubles. Um, Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott, <laughs> Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Chelsea, what do you think? Who's your pick for supporting actor? My pick for supporting actor is going to be Mahershala Ali, but I would have loved to see Adam Driver get it. I think Adam Driver in Black Klansman, it, he, he's getting a little discounted whenever you're seeing the film as a whole, I think that they're, I, I don't think a lot of people are taking into account that he was experiencing to a lesser, like his character was experiencing to a lesser extent what the main character was experiencing and, you know, needing to confront all of that and how his character handled all that. So I would love to see Adam Driver get it. And I'm still super confused why Steve Carell was not nominated for Vice because he was in that movie so much more. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, th- I think people just love George W. Impressions uh, for, for Sam Rockwell. And I will say just briefly a very glaring oversight for me in a not so great film. But Timothy Charlemagne was fantastic in a beautiful, in a beautiful movie. Oh, yes. No, the film wasn't great. I will say that he was great at consistently throughout the entire movie. So worth noting. So definitely, uh, you you would that would, would have been my personal choice. Would you have swapped him for Sam Rockwell? I would have swapped him so quickly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Agree. Uh, Adam, Adam, how about you? What is your uh, your pick for supporting actor? Uh, I've got Mahershala winning this one. Uh, he's got the SAG Award. He's got the Globe. He's got the BAFTA. He seems to be kind of on a train um, running towards this one, but. I really adore Richard E. Grant's performance in Can You Ever Forgive Me. Um, 
even though Sam Elliott's performance in A Star Is Born breaks my heart. Um, but I, I, in any other year, I would have. I mean, I, I guess still in this year because I don't like Green Book and Marshall already has one. I would have loved to have seen Richard E. Grant win an Oscar because he just seems so happy to be nominated for an Oscar, um, and I love it. Uh, so I would, yeah, I would be totally fine movies. with that. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. and everything. I, I mean, Richard E. Grant just seems like such a sweetheart, and that felt like a role that was basically written for him in a way. So it feels yeah. so perfect. And uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Actually, uh, Richard E. Grant would be my personal pick as well uh i just loved watching him uh him and melissa mccarthy were both fantastic but i really thought he stole the he stole the show in that film and uh you know mahershala i think we we all love him um mahershala is is a fine pick he did just win for moonlight a couple years ago he's on fire career wise i mean he was also did voice acting and uh into the spider verse spider-man in the spider verse he's on true detective right now so i feel like he is uh, an unstoppable for- force at this point in time. So I, I think he's almost certainly got the supporting actor Oscar. So let's go ahead and move on to supporting actress. And the nominees are Amy Adams, uh, Marina de Tavra, Regina King, mm-hmm. Emma Stone, and Rachel Wise. Okay, so I'm going to pose this question to the table. It was a larger conversation I had on Twitter and with friends. And I, j- I just have to throw it out there. And I don't want to go on too much of a sidetrack, but... Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz, obviously incredible and the favorite. I was very confused about what what how do we define lead actress versus supporting actress because I really felt like if I was looking at this from a story perspective, Emma Stone was leading actress with Rachel Weisz and uh, uh, Emily Coleman being supporting. But obviously, Emily Coleman's like the central, fo- I mean, the, the focal point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, right, right. I mean, it makes I, I understand that argument, but it's really weird to me to see both of them in the supporting actors category. I don't know. Um, Adam, do you have any uh, before you throw your picks out there? Do you have any uh, thoughts on how they choose supporting actors versus best actors? Am I, or am I just crazy? <laughs> uh, no, it's category fraud. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it happens. Uh, Alicia Vikander won supporting actors for The Danish Girl when a very strong argument could have been made that she was the protagonist of that movie. Um, this one, like I, Emma Stone is the bigger stretch for me. Cause I think you could also make an argument that Emma Stone is the protagonist of the favorite. Um, I think it, Rachel Weisz, I think kind of works as supporting actress, but ultimately it's up to the studio. Fox Searchlight had three actresses who could have gotten Oscar, uh, um, that had Oscar prospects. They chose Olivia Coleman for lead. And that mean they, that meant they had to put the other two in supporting. Cause I think they felt that Olivia Coleman had a better chance in lead, um, and then if you put two in supporting, you know, maybe they split the votes, maybe they don't, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing that happens and is, is frustrating sometimes. Correction. Olivia Coleman, not Emily Coleman. Ron, uh, do you have any thoughts on, uh, have anything you want to add to that particular sentiment? Supporting actress. Um, I think hands down Regina King is getting this. Um, and that's the only category that I would put money on. Um, just because I feel like this is a this is also a career for um, a career um, Oscar. Also, it's also the only category again, with exception of um, screenplay, adapted screenplay, that I think this movie will even walk away with anything. So, I agree with you about um, the category switching there in particular. I think Emma Stone for me was the lead of the favorite, and Rachel Weisz makes sense to me as supporting. 
But I think with them both being in the same category, they cancel each other out. Right. I mean, if they're, I guess at the studio, as Adam put it, there's three actresses, two categories. If they're going to have actresses duke it out in one of the categories, it's going to be supporting, not lead. Right. Uh, well, and and uh, how often? How I mean, we're going to see Emma Stone again. I would not be shocked if we saw Rachel Wise again. But how often are we going to see Olivia Coleman back up there? Um, I feel like we haven't heard from her in a while. So, um, yeah, uh, Chelsea, anything you want to add? Um, let's see. I would have loved to have seen Margot Robbie in this category. Mm. I think she gave an absolutely amazing performance mm. in Mary Queen of Scots that was really discounted considering how fiery Saoirse Ronan was. Um, I would have loved to have seen her in this category and I would have almost traded one of my favorite, favorite actresses <laughs> <laughs> for her. Um, but I think for this category, I would love to see Emma Stone win it. I really think that her her role in The Favorite and how just so subtly shady she was throughout the whole thing was just great. I loved it. Yeah. I think uh, Regina King has my pick as well for the, for the winner. I mean, it is a really breathtaking top notch performance. And she's been, she's one of those like Viola Davis, um, Octavia Spencer, you know, just people who have been consistently have been around for 20, 20 some odd 25 years, you know, doing great consistent work. And this is just like long overdue, but in a definitely a worthy performance in a great film. So let's move on to film editing. So the nominees here are black Klansman, uh, Barry Alexander Brown, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody from John Otten, Green Book, Patrick J. Uh, Donvito, uh, The Favorite, <laughs> Yorgos Lathamos, and we have for Vice, Hank Corwin. Adam, any, uh, do you have any particular picks for film editing? I do. I will say this is the category that most boggled my mind when the nominations were announced. I don't know how you look at Bohemian Rhapsody or Green Book for that matter and nominate them and not A Star is Born or Roma or First Man. Um, that aside, uh, I'm really hoping it's not Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody got the uh, Ace Eddie Award, which is the uh, Editor's Guild Award, but BAFTAs went with Vice. I'm going with Vice. BAFTA, BAFTA matched a couple um, uh, diversions from the Ace Eddie Awards, uh, Hacksaw Ridge and Whiplash. So I'm picking Vice. I don't necessarily think it's the best editing of the year. Out of these uh, picks, I guess I would go with Black Klansman. Um, again, I think this category is baffling because I think some of the best editing of the year isn't even represented here. Um, but there seems to be this narrative around Bohemian Rhapsody that John Ottman quote unquote saved the movie, given that Brian Singer was fired and everything, but I don't see how that makes sense. Brian Singer almost finished the movie and he, I don't know if they're trying to keep the secret or not. He was on the movie in post and finished. Right. Uh, so like he saw it through, it was the normal process, but yeah, I I would not be shocked to see Bohemian Rhapsody win just because of this narrative that, you know, oh, it was such a troubled movie and it turned out so well and let's give it to this guy. Um, but I'm picking Vice as my official pick. There is a lot of controversy with Brian Singer this year. We haven't talked a lot about, but Chelsea, what are your picks for film editing? Hmm. I have lots of thoughts. I don't even know. I think that Vice is going to win this one because I think it was just so oddly edited that it really (laughs) just kind of hits you in the face. (laughs) Um, Loved Black Klansman and really loved the favorite. Um, Again, just loved the favorite. I think that how they framed Abigail throughout the whole movie that they really tried to frame her as not the snake she was. And then at the end, and it's just the editing really, really was what led you to kind of 
have the conclusion that she wasn't and then she was so but i think it's gonna be vice because it was just so weird the flashiness of vice's editing i think so everyone's gonna people everyone who watched it's gonna know they saw capital e editing you know <laughs> so uh, i think that uh that has my my vote as far as like likely pick as well but uh, black clansman man throw it a bone i'd love to see love it, to see it. it uh, to get a win but yeah I, I i agree with adam as well that the best uh, edited films of the year weren't even on this list generally um Laron, what is your your pick for film editing? Uh, my favorite two in this category are Black Klansman and the favorite for editing. I'm leaning more towards the favorite being like a tick or two better, but I think that for sure this looks like a vice win. For sh- uh, this seems to be that category for that. So for maybe people who aren't as familiar with the difference between sound editing and sound mixing, if you're any listeners out there and you always wonder, man, why are there two sound categories? Uh, sound editing is actually how the sound is edited and placed into the movie versus mixing is where they get really inventive with the sounds and instruments and they, you know, it, it, there's a lot more work on the, the digital front with that one. So we're going to go ahead and move on to sound editing. Uh, the nominees are Black Panther uh, with Benjamin A. Burt and Steve Bodecker. For Bohemian Rhapsody, we have John Warhurst. For First Man, we have Ai Ling Lee. Uh, and Mildred Morgan for A Quiet Place we have Ethan Van Der Ryan and Eric Adel and then for Roma we have Sergio Diaz and Skip Leavesay Laurent any thoughts on sound editing I think that sound was first and foremost the most important thing in A Quiet Place so I would love to see A Quiet Place walk away with that Oscar but that being said I think Roma and First First Man are equally um, equally great but I think a quiet place being that sound was the most unique element of that film that, that it make, it would make sense for that. Yeah. Yep. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, Adam, uh, what are your picks for sound editing? Uh, traditionally this category seems to go to like big loud movies. So I'm going with first man here. Um, I also think it's deserving for first man. Um, but my pick for should win is probably Roma, which ironically, the sound design of that movie was like super experimental and crazy and had this Dolby Atmos mix and everyone watched it on their TVs and didn't get to experience it. So uh, I did hear it at uh, the Toronto National Film Festival is where I heard Roma. I thought some people were talking behind me, but that was just the sound mix. You were supposed to feel like you were in like a market. Um, but I don't know how many voters ever actually experienced that actual um, sound mix for the film. So uh, you mean you didn't watch uh, Roma on your Nintendo 3DS through the Netflix app? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to second the pick for First Man. Uh, you know, that's a movie that it 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 felt like one of the early forerunners. The reviews were kind of mixed, but it had a, enough momentum and buzz behind it early on. But it just kind of got. Uh, sidelined by a lot of other flashier picks. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a great film and I do think sound was one of the strongest elements of that. The, the, the sound editing and the film score in particular, although I think everything about the movie is actually is pretty exceptional. A quiet place is where I would love to see it at, but I really think the sound categories are first man's to lose. All right. So moving on to sound mixing, we have black Panther, the winner, Bohemian Rhapsody, (laughs) Uh, first man, Roma and a star is born. Chelsea, what is your pick here for sound mixing? Again, I think that uh, I think sound is first man's to lose. I would love to see a star is born in this one because mm-hmm. I think the utilization of the different venues that you know that you had the club, you had the the small bar, you had the large stadium. I think that the the editing and the mixing that went into a star is born to really make it it's immersive, but they were able to really kind of even it out so it 
didn't seem too different, I think is it's yeah. I, I would love to see a star is born get it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people forget like when it comes to like these more music driven films that there is quite a bit of really impressive sound mixing that goes into that as well. Leron, what is your pick for sound mixing? Um, first man for me takes this. Um, but I, my personal choice is also a star is born, um, for sound mixing, just again, for the variety of different venues, the, the incorporation of live music versus just singing in a restaurant or just, you know, um, there's a lot of different, um, elements used very effectively in that film. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Adam, uh, do you have any additional thoughts or picks for sound mixing? Yeah. I also really loved, uh, the sound in the star is born. Um, this category is a weird one. I mean, when musicals are nominated, sometimes they win, uh, like Les Miserables. Sometimes when musicals are, are nominated, they lose to a big loud movie like La La Land losing to Hacksaw Ridge um, or Inside Llewyn Davis losing to Gravity. Uh, I have a feeling this could be where voters go with Bohemian Rhapsody just as a, an obvious way to kind of tick that off. Um so that's kind of my pick right now. But usually when I try to split the sound categories, I do I do it wrong or backwards. So it's safer to go. I would be better off going with first man in both of these categories. And I may change my answer uh, as it gets uh, time for me to do my official picks. Hey, listen, it's safe. You know, if you pick it for both, it's safe. You know, your, your chances are very high. It's going to be yeah. one of those two. So <laughs> I think that uh, if yeah. you're going to play the nice conservative safe route on your ballot, I think that's the way to go. My picks are, yeah, I, I mean, uh, this is tough. I, I do agree with Adam. I think I'm going to roll with Bohemian Rhapsody getting the win. I do wonder if Black Panther could, this could be a category it comes through for. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I just I just have that feeling like that might be kind of the the dark horse of this particular category. Honestly, if I was going between Bohemian Rhapsody or Star is Born, in my personal pick, I mean, Star is Born would have it hands down. But uh, yeah, I think Bohemian Rhapsody is the safer pick here. Moving on to actually one of my favorite categories is uh, Best Original Score. Now, before a uh, little shameless plug before we actually get into this category. So Alexandra Bohannon, the host of Soundtrack, and I are going to be doing another follow-up episode that is going to specifically dive into the film scores for each of the nominees this year. And basically, Basically, just add color commentary. Alex is going to talk a little bit about, you know, what we know about how the, how it was written and made. And we'll also just kind of throw our own opinions about uh, which ones uh, we like the best. So check that out. That's Soundtrack. And if you want to make sure that that particular episode will probably be about 30 to 45 minutes long, uh, it, you make sure you listen to it. Make sure to just subscribe to the Cinematic Schematic. With that shameless plug out of the way, Adam, you actually write a lot about film scores at Collider. And I, I really was excited to hear your pick. So which of these scores is your favorite and which one you think is actually going to take home the gold i do and i will say i think i jinxed it by interviewing justin Hurwitz for first man who didn't get nominated and james laxton the cinematographer of beale street who didn't get nominated assuming that they would both be nominated and i would have two oscar nominated interviews on the site um so with that <laughs> out of the way uh i have if beale street could talk winning this one right now but i could also see a scenario in which black panther or black Klansman wins uh, it's a really exciting category this year, uh, aside from the first man snub, um, which I don't even love that movie, but that score is just so good. Um, but Beale Street, I, I mean, again, I'll be interested to see how many voters actually watch this movie. Uh, if enough actually did watch this movie, I think it could win. But I get the feeling that a lot of voters didn't, given the kind of lack of nominations overall. I also think Ludwig Gorenson's work on Black Panther is really exciting and new and fresh and could be a winner in the vein of uh, kind of when Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross won for Social Network. So one of those two is my pick right now. I think I have Beale Street is my will win. 
Okay. I think that's a good pick. That's the one category I think it has a decent shot at. And I think uh, everyone who saw Moonlight remembers that had a really moving score as well. Um, So I think even though uh, Nicholas Patel has done other scores since then, uh, I think this is kind of feels like a nice companion piece to that. So maybe going off of the love, maybe writing the the goodwill and love for Moonlight, we might see a win for if Beale Street could talk for the film score. Chelsea, what is your pick for original score? So for original score, I'm going with Black Panther on this one. I really think that the, the Afrofuturism of the entire movie, they really met that goal with the blend of the modernism and the tribalism. And I think that it also really it realized a lot of Marvel's goals in their, their scores. They've always kind of been, you know, pointed at as having the, the pretty generic orchestra superhero scores. And I think where we've been seeing this movement towards a little bit more nuanced sound and scoring in their movies. And I think that this is, they, they finally realized it. I, I do feel like this is one of the more innovative MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe scores by a long shot because I, I actually have been on the record on this podcast actually talking about how I generally don't think the scores are very memorable nine times out of ten but Black Panthers is they got really more experimental with it and took a lot more risks than we normally see and kind of pushed their I don't know brand guidelines for for the for the Marvel Cinematic Universe scores so uh, I agree I think this actually has a pretty good shot at, at taking home the gold uh, Laurent uh, what is your pick for best original score I also agree with Adam I think if Bill Street could talk is my first pick on this it's also the one I want to win um, I think I could see a scenario where Black Panther could win I, mean, I do agree with you it's very inventive um, and um, but I feel like if Beale Street Could Talk has kind of been the the score in my heart all year, mm-hmm. it's the one that I want to hear the the most uh, the most often. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and put my money on Beale Street. Okay. Um, ah, man. I think uh, of these, I am going to yeah. I, ah, man, it, I really like Black Klansman's score. I was listening to it uh, actually in, in preparation for this. I was going through and listening to uh, like the the nominees again uh, because I think this is uh, as Adam said, this is a really strong category this year. I really like Black Klansman. It's catchy. It, it has this sort of weird sense of justice, but with a dark twist because it's not really justice. There's a lot of those themes that I think work its way into the music. If Beale Street could talk is certainly the most emotional film mm-hmm. score for me this year. So I'm going to roll with that for my personal pick, but uh, shout out because I agree. First man, a plus plus score. Yeah. Uh, and I was really, really surprised that didn't get nominated. And also from Nicholas Patel, I actually thought the vice score was exceptional. That was the, of all things vice got nominated for it didn't get nominated for best original score. And that was one of the, the, the areas I actually thought it was most exceptional was the film score. Like I've listened to it several times since the movie released. So, um, kind of strange. All right. That'll take us to best original song. Now I just want to throw out there guys. We don't have a host to look forward to. We have some music to look forward to some (laughs) songs. I cannot wait to see when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings play on the stage. I can't wait to see how they pull this off. Please tell me Tim Blake Nelson's going to get dropped down from the rafters somehow. That's kind of crazy fan dream right there. But I, I just think this is a, a really good category. And just to see how the Academy is going to pull off some of these songs on the stage is going to be <laughs> quite the show. Well, don't worry. They're going to screw it up because Tim Blake Nelson is not performing. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> because they continue to find ways to screw up the ceremony. They're also only 90 seconds long for each performance. So you'll get like a snippet of each. Yeah, they're doing a bang up job this year. Mm. 
Well, Adam, you know what? I'm actually really glad you broke that news to me today. So my expectations that you just heard me talk about how excited I am. You just brought them way down. But you know what? I, I appreciate that I've got people uh, in, my, in my Twitter feed and on this podcast who help keep me grounded every once in a while. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Adam, what is your pick for best original song? Gotta be shallow, right? I mean, I love that song. I spent the entire tiff singing a Star is Born songs to my colleague, uh, much to his dismay. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I mean, maybe there's a, a shocker where all the stars pulls it out because people think shallow is uh, kind of safe or something. But uh, I would be very surprised if if shallow doesn't win. It is important to note, and this is so like years ago, Lady Gaga was supposed to win, quote unquote, um, for. Uh, gosh, what was that document? Till it happens to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was when I learned that on the ballots, it does not name the artists. So it just says all the stars, Black Panther, or till it happens to you, the hunting ground. So I think for a lot of voters, they didn't know that Lady Gaga sang that song, or they would have kind of automatically checked that mark. Um, I think that's where Shallow kind of works in the favor because it's just such an easily like, oh, yes, Shallow. I've heard it on the radio a million times. Right. I remember that. And it went to the worst yes. James Bond score <laughs> that has ever. Oh, shows. my gosh. So bad. That was so bad because we were all, you know, we're all watching the Oscars. I think that was kind of like the villain of the category of that year because no one really liked Spectre or the theme that that much. And then you had both performed at the Oscars. And clearly one of them was significantly wildly better than the and, other. And important. Yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, important certainly. Oh, gosh, uh, Chelsea, what is your pick for best original song? This one is Shallows to Lose. Um, I think Gaga again is just, she's going to pull it out. She she reached for the heights, the emotional heights, the vocal heights, and it's it's mainstream at this point. So I think that if the Academy is going to want to reach their goals of being mainstream, it's going to be this one. Yep. That's a fair pick. That's a, that's a good that's a good pick. If they're going for the mainstream, they're going to pick the song that everyone's heard on every radio station. I heard it on the radio uh, at my office at work the other day, and I was like, "Why is this playing in my office at work?" Because it's so good. It's that mainstream. Well, it's, it is. It is good to be fair. It's actually great, but it's also playing everywhere. It is. Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, yes. Shallow also. Shallow all okay. The way, all the way. Shallow. Uh, sure. I'm with you guys. I'll shallow. Right now. Shallow is going to win. Uh, I've listened to I, the one I like the most is probably well. The one I like the most that I've listened to the most is probably All the Stars, but I've got to say, while I've only seen uh, listened to When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings, when I, the two times I've seen The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, I've got to say, pretty fantastic. So this takes us to Best Animated Feature. Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse would blew my socks off. Like, it, it blew my socks off in a way that I haven't seen an animated film in a, quite a while. And I love animated films. Uh, I even like, you know, I, I've seen all of these films here. All of them are really good. Um, Rai is excellent. I'm a huge Mamora Hasoda fan. Uh, I thought Incredibles 2, while not necessarily worth the like what 14 year wait, was still a pretty solid, really, really uh, top notch animated film. I Love Dogs was really cute and fun. A little bit of controversy there, but I think overall, I, I still enjoyed it more than not. And you know, Ralph breaks the internet and a uh, really clever follow up. All of them are great, but Spider Man Spider Verse I felt was just really exceptional because not only. Was it uh, an animated superhero film uh, in the on the big screen, which we we've rarely seen uh, any of those that are actually based on comic book properties? I should say we've had Mega Mind and The Incredibles, but uh, I mean I'm thinking back to like Batman: Mask of the Phantasm in the '90s, actually based on Batman. So it's really cool that we got uh, a Spider-Man movie based on the comics in animated form. Uh, this film also starred Miles Morales, who's uh, half black, uh, has Hispanic roots as well, and uh, I thought that this entire film was 
an incredible origin story, coming of age story for a new generation of Spider-Man and Spider-Man fans. And it just captured so much of the essence of what makes Spider-Man such a special character and why being, and why superheroes mean so much in our current culture. It did it with, with, with really brilliant writing. The animation was some of the most experimental we've seen in probably like 20 years, the way it was able to incorporate comic books. So I know I'm gushing hard. I say all this to say that of course, Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse gets my pick for animated feature, but I also really think there were tons of movies they could have put in the best picture. Those other two spots on, on the best picture category. And I, it's not unprecedented for the Academy to pick an animated film. They of course picked toy story three uh, and beauty and the beast as a couple of examples. So I really thought, especially when we're talking about, Oh, we've got to nominate black Panther to be more inclusive and, 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 and actually put superheroes in the, in the spotlight, black Panther, incredible, undeniable, impressive achievement but i i really thought that spider-man and the spider-verse was on that same on that same level even if it was animated versus live action which does make a difference uh but uh yeah i don't know you guys can tell me i'm i'm crazy and might be overselling how much how good this movie is but i've seen it three times as recently as last week and i still i i love it and i think it deserves all the awards Laurent, after my long-winded rant there do you have anything you'd like to add uh for your picks and the best animated feature category i would i would love to see uh spider-man take animated film just because it is unique it's very diverse it's the most unique and out of all these films here like again while most of these are sequels here i actually wasn't enamored with incredibles 2 liked it fine but thought it was forgettable um i did like Isle dogs quite a bit when it came out but i've only seen it once so it hasn't really resonated deeply in my mind yet as the year has pressed on and I've seen more films. Um, but I think when I left Spider-Man, um, after resisting a lot, cause I have had Marvel fatigue for a long time, but people would not shut up about this movie. So I went and finally saw it and definitely understood, um, you know, all the merit, um, coming from it. Cause again, very uniquely told, very well-drawn characters. The animation was fantastic. It was very involving. I left very feeling very, a lot of adoration for all these characters in it, and which normally when I'm walking away from Marvel film, I like the action, had a good time, not emotionally involved, thought it was very, very um, powerful in that way too. So yeah, I, that's uh, a good other thing to, to note that I liked was that despite the crazy number uh, of uh, superhero movies, the onslaught of superhero movies that in 2019, this Spider-Man felt not even just kind of fresh. It felt wildly different from a lot of the films we've seen in the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, Chelsea, what is your pick for best animated feature? I really don't have all too much to add to your, your gush there. I really think that Spider-Man, it, it, was so inventive in how it mixed the different animation styles that I think it really made it stand out and introducing Miles Morales to a whole different, I mean, a whole new generation. I mean, really Peter Parker is really the only one we, we really associate with the Spider-Man identity right now. And I would love to see it win. I think that potentially it being a superhero movie is why it wasn't included in best picture. I don't think that they, they weren't going to have two in the same year. Fair. <laughs> We yeah. gave you your Black Panther show. Gave up. you one. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and uh, to Adam's earlier point, I'm sure Disney was pushing that marketing far longer with far more money than than Sony pushed uh, pushed Spider Man. But um, Adam, what are your picks for animated feature film? I've got a bad feeling about this category. <laughs> I just keep going back to not only uh, the Lego Movie not getting nominated, but in the past 10 years, only one non-Disney movie has won this category. I still remember when How to Train Your Dragon 2 was the big critical darling of 2014 and then Big Hero 6 won, a movie that it didn't seem like anyone was super enthused about. Um, 
there exists the fact that there are a lot of Disney Academy members. I think they contain like studio by studio. I think the majority of Academy voters are from Disney. I So I think there's a possibility that there would be a really upsetting upset and Incredibles 2 takes this. I still have Spider-Verse in. I think Sony has done a fine job since the movie came out kind of pushing it, but I do wish they could have gotten in front of it. I don't, I don't know if they knew what they had with it. I don't think they knew how special it was. Um, but I mean, even just on a base visual level, it's so groundbreaking for the animation medium. Um, I don't know how you ignore it, but again, there are a lot of Disney voters and there, there's a bit of a same team kind of thing going on there. So don't, don't, don't scream too loudly if Incredibles 2 wins. <laughs> Again, keeping me, keeping me grounded over here. I, I like it. Yeah. Maybe we can count on the, the spider web of contracts and agreements to confuse. And maybe, maybe they will think it's a Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah. By virtue of it being Marvel. You know, that's a great point. Oh, yeah. Spider Man's in it. That's a Disney character, that's right? Yeah. 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 Uh, great points all around. Well, let's go ahead and move on. We are getting really hot really fast because we are coming up on Best Lead Actor. And the nominees are Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, Rami Malek, and Vigo Mortensen. We'll kick it to you first. What do you, who do you think is going to take home the gold for Best Lead Actor? And who, who do you think uh, should be winning this one? Uh, if you wear fake teeth, you win an Oscar, apparently. So <laughs> I've got Rami Malek winning this one. Uh, like Mahershala, he's kind of been running the gamut. He got the BAFTA. He got the SAG. It kind of feels sewn up, um, which... It, I don't think it's a good performance. I, I I know that this is a movie that people like. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. It's an impression. It's Rami Malek lip syncing for two hours. Uh, you can send your hate mail to uh, Adam Jitwood on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think Bradley Cooper gave the best performance of the year in A Star is Born. I think if you just look at him creating a character whole cloth, uh, one that feels lived in and organic, uh, in every single frame, it just feels like he's telling the truth. Um, that performance really blew me away. So that's my favorite of the year. I feel like Rami Malek's going to take it. If not him, probably Christian Bale. I can't remember how many in a row, but it's been uh, a wildly overwhelming percentage of Best Actor winners are people playing real people, uh, which is just the thing that the Academy likes. But uh, when Bradley Cooper comes along and creates a character from scratch, they're like, eh, never mind. So that's fun. Academy doesn't like fake things, even though they're in the movie business, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Chelsea, your picks for best lead actor. This one will go to Rami, despite all of my best. Not, I just can't believe that they're giving this much love to this movie. <laughs> um, so I think it's going to go to Rami. I personally, I would really like to see Christian Bale win it because I was just so fascinated by his Cheney portrayal in that movie. He really, you know, portrayed both sides and really the second side was a side that nobody really associated with Dick Cheney. And mm -hmm. um, I think that I don't think he'll win. I would love to, I think I'd really like to see him win Bradley Cooper, I think is a good, um, a good second option that potentially could r knock Rami out. But I think I really like Christian Bell for this one. Okay. So of course, uh, again, Rami Malek with your personal pick being First Christian Bale and then Bradley Cooper. That's I think it. that's a that's a good lineup. Uh, Laurent, what about you? So slight wild card here. Nothing matters because Ethan Hawke isn't nominated. Agreed. Correct. Here, here. But here we are. This is what we have. You know, breadcrumbs. So I'm going to say here that um, 
I, I would like Bradley Cooper to take it from this category that we presently see. I honestly loved Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, did not love the movie much at all, but I thought that was the one element of it that I thought was strong. Um, but I feel like um, Bradley Cooper would be my personal choice, but I see Rami taking the Oscar, and I'm okay with that That's but, for this one category. <laughs> this is it. the one you'll, you'll, you'll give it a the pass. the one I'll give Bohemian Rhapsody. Huh. Well, uh, I mean, of course, I'm going to second uh, or second, third and fourth the table for Rami Malek. I think he's there's no doubt he's going to take home the gold for this one. Um, yeah, I think Bradley Cooper had a, a ton of emotional depth with that character. So I would love to see him take it. Uh, but I, I will say in light of Ethan Hawke not being nominated and me still being bitter about it, um, I did actually find Willem Dafoe and at Eternity's Gate to be pretty strong. I don't think the movie was a home run. It was kind of experimental, which I liked, even if I don't think all the experimentation worked very well. But I did think Willem Dafoe did some great work there uh, in the lead, which we, you know, we've seen him play some leads before, but he's usually sidelined for for movies that this, get this kind of attention uh, into a smaller supporting role. So maybe not my pick. Maybe my second pick behind Bradley Cooper will be the one I'd roll. I'd want to see win, but uh, I do think Willem Dafoe's performance is worth noting. That takes us to Best Lead Actress. Uh, so we have uh, Yelitsa Apri. See, I am told you I'm going to say it again, Laurent. Give me the face. Yes. <laughs> Yelitsa Aparicio. Thank you. Thank you. I heard him say it earlier. This is what happens when you take Japanese in high school, not Spanish people. Your pronunciation is not that. Uh, so, Adam, thank you for blessing us with that correct pronunciation. Uh, we have Glenn Close uh, for The Wife, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, uh, Lady Gaga and A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy and Can You Ever Forgive Me. This is an incredible lineup. Yes. This is a great category, I love this category. all around. Uh, Chelsea, we'll start with you. Best lead actress, who is your pick? I still have not made my pick because I cannot pick between Olivia Coleman, Glenn Close, or Lady Gaga. Um, I would love to see Gaga win it because Little Monster Heart wants her to win it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Olivia Coleman is a great front runner. She got the she has the BAFTA. Um, so like Adam said, I think that it's it's really counting towards a little bit more towards that. Glenn Close, I actually just caught the wife. It was kind of one of those ones I hadn't really paid attention to. And then she started winning everything. And I said, let's check it out. And I loved it. I think that her portrayal is the the slowly simmering, raging woman was amazing. And I, it's just so hard to pick. LeBron? Earlier this year, it would have been Olivia Coleman. Um, but as the year pressed on, as I saw, I saw the wife pretty early on when it released just as like a random, random Saturday night movie that no one was going to go see. And I was blown away by her and her performances resonated with me all year. I loved Gaga in um, A Star is Born, but I really think the nomination is the award for her in this. Um, but I think that Glenn Close was so fantastic in The Wife, very understated performance that culminates to something really important by the end. And also just a career, a career highlight for her. And she has been long overdue for this type of award. So I would love to see Glenn Close walk away with this one. So, OK, OK. I think those are great picks. Uh, Adam, what are your picks for Best Lead Actress? Uh, yeah, I agree. This is a really great category. Um, it's also very tough. Uh, I have Glenn Close now. I think uh, I think that Globe speech did a lot, and Sony Pictures Classics, I think a studio behind it, um, kicked the campaign into overdrive at that time. Um, she's got a great narrative around her. She's never won before. Um, I still have not seen The Wife. It's on my list. Uh, but I would not be upset if she won. 
I think Olivia Coleman would be my favorite performance out of these, although I really loved all of them. Um, so I could see Coleman winning. I, I think it's between Close and Coleman. Um, but like you said, I think Gaga, the nomination, is the award for her here. But who knows? I, I mean, what if Yelitsia Aparicio wins? That would be amazing. The Alicia one, I would also be super excited. And that'd be kind of a, a, a good wild card win too, man. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, anyone in this category, even though Tony Collette is missing, um, <laughs> anyone in the category that is here, I would be happy with for various yeah. reasons. There's a, there's something to take away from either one of surprise, even if Melissa McCarthy was fantastic. And that is the best thing I've ever seen her do. So I think she deserved it more in this than she did for supporting Nam many years ago for bridesmaids, even though she was, great and funny and hilarious in it this to me seems more it makes more sense definitely a media role than she's taken on uh in many years very stripped of vanity not none of her old antics or her kind of you know very something is something very meaningful i I really hope she continues to pivot into roles like this every once in a while she continues to do her shtick to make you know pay the bills buy the boat the yacht and the mansion or whatever but uh you know uh i i loved melissa mccarthy and can you forgive me and it's not she's not my pick but i would i hope to see her in more roles like this because i definitely think she's got that best lead actress performance in her no doubt um i think uh, olivia coleman is my personal favorite of course the puns all the time uh but uh yeah with i think with a you or with a you know uh, I, i'm not going to try to do a british accent accent because it's not going to go well as you can sell my accents are just uh impeccable but no olivia coleman as my favorite my guts tommy glenn close is going to take it yeah and I, again i think well deserved uh wife's a mm-hmm. top-notch film so yeah let's move on to director which is of course uh best director is one of the most prestigious categories and the nominees are spike lee for black klansman powell palakovsky for cold war yorgos lanthimos for the favorite Alfonso Caron for Roma and Adam McKay for Vice. Go ahead and knock Adam McKay out. Let's just pretend there's only four options. Yeah, I, I, I just concur. I just, concur. <laughs> uh, and hey, listen, I love the I love the Big Short. I liked Vice, but come on, Adam. We'll start with you on on director. Who is your pick for best director? Uh, I've got Alfonso winning this one. Uh, the DGA, the winner of the DGA award, is matched up with the Oscar for best director an insane number of times. Um, diverting when when Ben Affleck won the Directors Guild for Argo and wasn't even nominated at the Oscar. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think Alfonso takes it, uh, continuing this really incredible streak of these three Mexican directors who kind of grew up together, who collaborated together and all have just kind of dominated the Oscars over the last few years. Uh, Alfonso with um, Alejandro Iñárritu and uh, Guillermo del Toro, who won last year. Um, and I, honestly, I think well-deserved. I, I, if I'm picking who should win here, I, I think what Alfonso does with the form in Roma is kind of insane. Like, I don't know anyone who would ever sit down and, and try and make a film that way or try and lay a film out that way. So it, it's kind of a miracle to me, um, the way he pulled it off and, and kind of what, uh, you know, the best director means to me. Um, but I, I mean, I could also see maybe possibly a scenario where Spike Lee wins, which would be super exciting. Uh, I would love to hear that speech. Uh, I really hope he wins screenplay so he can continue. Uh, I, I want to see if he's going to take a dig at Green, Green Book because he has been super salty towards that movie. All oh, yeah. Season. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I think Spike would give a speech for the ages uh, if he wins this or uh, screenplay. 
you really make me think if green book wins an oscar and and spy and spike lee does not win an oscar that that that's gonna be an injustice that's gonna be talked about for quite quite some time he's gonna have thoughts he might make an entire movie about green book actually because you know he'll just be that angry yeah um laron your pick for best director um also going with alfonso on this as a as a the person that will win i agree with you the dga is if you vote against it then you're voting against your own interest here because like i can't remember the first time historically that it hasn't gone that way um and since it is also nominated for best picture um it i think he has that one in the bag my personal choice would be spike lee but i can't decide yet if that's because of his influence on cinema as a as a on a holistic level or if i'm if it's because i just loved black Klansman, but i would love to see him win best director but i see so my heart would be spike lee but my head and um and your instinct instinct tells me that it will be Koran. okay all right uh chelsea not much deviation here. I think Alfonso will take it and I would love to see Spike take it. That's um I tend to kind of look at the movies. I want to see everything kind of through a little sociopolitical and I would love to see Spike take it. I think it's a it's a movie that is a it's a bit of a commentary, a bit of a rejection of everything that we're seeing right now. And I think it would be fascinating to have Spike up on that stage. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with the rest of the table. Uh, I, I, You know, it's tough because I, I would love to see Spike Lee. One, I love Black Klansman. But two, he's had a, a huge impact and huge influence on the film industry for decades. So I, I, I'm... And this is his best film in years. In years. He had a little fall off there himself there for a couple of years. Oh, sure. This was a huge return to form where like we were reminded that he still has it. Yeah, so. no, exactly. That he is just as relevant today as he was 30 years ago and um, still sharp, still salty. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, if I'm just looking on these at these films and what the directors contributed on an individual level, Alfonso Cuaron, I mean, Roma, as Adam put it out, the way this movie was made is... Eh, it's a magic trick. When you when you actually hear how they got some of these shots, you, you're like, wait, they did it that way? And it, it's mind-blowing. Uh, not to mention, uh, we, we've been talking throughout this entire episode about the sound mixing, the sound editing, how immersive that experience was, how beautiful the cinematography was. It just works so well on every level. And as I said at the top of the show, it's like this is the movie that I, I respect a lot and, and admire a lot more than I like as weird as that sounds so it doesn't necessarily have my personal pick but i do think it's kind of the most deserving this year and i would not be upset if alfonso crone fingers crossed that somehow spike lee pulls it out somewhere that will take us to our final category of the evening best picture we have black panther black klansman bohemian rhapsody the favorite green book roma a star is born and vice we're actually just for the table. Chelsea, we'll start with you. Whoever wants to chime in, go ahead and hop in. What do we think the chances are that Green Book actually takes this? Do we do we think or are we going to do we have are you thinking 50 50 30 70? I mean, I think it's between Green Book, Roma, those two, really. I think that's really where I feel like I, I think at the end of the day, that's where I lean into. I mean, Black Klansman would probably be my dark horse pick, but I feel like there's actually a semi high pro- probability that Green Book could could win. Oh, this hurts a little bit. I don't know. Cause maybe could we see a situation where kind of like Emma and Rachel, maybe these people that are voting for Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book are going to vote. And then we're going to have a third person just come right up the middle. <laughs> um, cross our fingers, but it I happens. really don't, it, it does happen. I would love to see the favorite win. I think that was my favorite. Um, Roma, obviously cinematic masterpiece. Alfonso is going to take it and it's justly deserved, but I would not be surprised to see a Green Book win because I just 
for some reason think that that's where the academy they want to they want to go I back in time Trump. a little bit I blame, you blame Trump. <laughs> i don't even know why but i blame Trump. <laughs> something's wrong right in the world and so it feels like it's trickled all the way down to us I we think, can't even enjoy our i show. think we're gonna see the we're gonna see the split of the academy has invited all of these diverse voters in that are that they're voting in that and that's why we're seeing so much diversity in our nominees but i think that that block that existed before these nominees came in is still going to be the stronger piece and what's why we're going to see a film like green book win yeah 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 no i think that's a great point i'm uh, most of the people i've talked to who adore green book or who have read some of their pieces tend to fall in that category the more traditional old school uh, a lot of them not to get all about generationalism, but you know, you, uh, older Gen Xers and, and baby boomers and such. So I, I think it's a, that is a notable observation. Um, Laron, you're about to say something. I don't even know if I hate Green Book. You know, I'm like I saw it, and you know, I enjoyed it when I saw when I when I first saw it. But I feel like I feel like my disdain for it comes from it being the shining, like the spearheading winner in every category, and then all these oversights, some films not even being nominated whatsoever. So I think my disdain comes more from things being omitted than Green, than Green Book even being celebrated. But um, I am hoping that this is like a um, three billboard situation last year, which was kind of the 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 one that everyone predicted the, 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 the quote project, unquote the, the quote unquote villain last year like oh no yeah. we can't let this movie win best picture yeah, the yeah. projected <laughs> winner and then it didn't win it didn't win it went to it went to a worthy film you know the shape of water so um, I'm hoping that that's that's the scenario that's going to happen here where all the way leading up to the the last moment we think that's the winner and then it's going to be a surprise but I just my thing is is I don't know what the surprise would be um, because I don't necessarily see it being Roma. I don't necessarily see it being the favorite and only only four movies in this category I even think that you know should be nominated so um it's a wild card for me um I just want anything but <laughs> um green book and bohemian rhapsody to win even if a star is born one I'd be fine I could know? live with that I could live with that okay. it you know it again I enjoyed it quite a bit um but I think probably the most important one would be black Klansman or the favorite um that would be in an ideal world seeing one of those two win so do you think uh roma stands a chance i think because roma is nominated for foreign film it the energy will go there it'll it'll all fall there and it and and i think it being nominated for best picture is just in a testament that how of how great it was and how much it reached different demographics you know and across so the, the fact board. that so you're saying maybe from the you're suggesting maybe from the perspective of an academy voter maybe mm-hmm. perhaps wow we're going to give it best foreign feature yeah and the fact that we even nominate it for best picture is the honor that it would made it that would have made it that far, but not necessarily good enough to also win best picture. No, no, I don't see it winning. Both. Okay, okay, so that's what. You, okay, that's what you're tracking. Okay, um, Adam, what do you think for best picture? Where where do you uh, where are you going to come down on best picture winner and your pick? I actually have Roma winning. Um, okay, uh, I I do I agree with you. I think it's between Roma and Green Book. Um, best picture is tough because so they use this preferential ballot in which voters rank the nominees from one to eight, I guess this year. So movies that are highly divisive don't tend to do as well, but I was thinking about Roma and like, even the people who don't love it appreciate it. So I feel like it gets a lot of, if not number one and number two votes, it gets a lot of number three and number four votes. Whereas something like green book could potentially land at the bottom of a lot of people's lists. Same with Bohemian Rhapsody. Although, I think we've seen that narrative that Green Book is divisive maybe is more prevalent on the internet 
rather than with voters. So maybe Green Book does perform better. And that's why I think Green Book does have a shot at winning Best Picture. Um, but for me, it just comes down to uh, that preferential ballot and uh, the fact that I think Roma is going to place pretty highly on a lot of people's lists. I also, it's hard for me to justify putting um, something else up there when I'm looking at my ballot because I have Roma winning director and cinematography and foreign language film. Although I don't, I don't necessarily think, I, I mean, it's certainly possible, but I don't necessarily think that best foreign language win is ex- it excludes Roma from winning best picture again, because you're ranking it. You're not just picking one film when you're voting for best picture, but that could lead people to say, well, I voted it in best foreign language so I can put it at number five or number six and maybe boost black Klansman higher, um, which black Klansman has performed really well. Uh, Roma has the BAFTA, which uh, also uses the preferential ballot. If green book had won at the BAFTAs, I think I'd be more prone to picking green book here. Um, a Star Wars Born just crashed and burned, and that was my favorite movie of last year. So, if we're talking about like preference, um, that would probably be my favorite. But I'd honestly be happy with uh, Black Klansman, Black Panther, or the favorite Roma or Star Wars Born winning. Uh, I'd be less happy with uh, Vice and Green Book winning, and I'd burn the entire town down if Bohemian Rhapsody won. So. <laughs> watch out Tulsa. Oh, that's what i'm saying oh man uh yeah i i actually um agree with you adam on roma being the winners for the reasons you stated um both the preferential ballots and the voting um but i think the fact that it's been through it's nominated in so many categories i know this shouldn't necessarily give it the win but as you say i think it is going to rank highly on ballots i think the only movie here other than Green Book, that really has a shot is Black Klansman. You know, and I wouldn't be. It, it's really funny. I I really liked Black Klansman, and I ranked, like I said, I ranked it my number two movie last year. But it's one of those things where I ranked it as my number two, but I never looked at it and said Best Picture winner. Right. It's 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 right. just, just seems it winning seems like a strange it would, turn of events. It would be odd, but honestly, I think from a because I always the film I always want to win Best Picture is the one that is the most culturally significant. Yes. Because yep. the thing is, is when you're going to look back at the years, and it kind of is it, you know gives you an idea for what was going on in the culture at that that time and when you have a weird option when you know it's like well what was birdman saying about that year no one knows you know what i'm saying <laughs> like no one knows and i love yeah. the film but it still didn't feel like the winner like so like when moonlight won that said something about the culture that we've come to a place where we a story like this could have you know a platform you know and that people were accepting of this because you mm-hmm. would never have seen it in years prior right you know so well i mean even uh shape of water last year i think um talking about like the fear of otherism and i mean a right. very th- topical film right uh or going back what four years i think spotlight one which you know oh as we are all mourning the death of like journalism as it used to be this is the movie that won best picture and i was really happy for that one too but i think it's a great point movies that represent the time and i Black mean Hansman seems to be of those films there to represent what's going on in the culture right now because it comments on it directly, you know, even to there at the last button button in scene of the film. And then obviously what it's all um, thematically saying. But um, but I, I mean, again, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be probably, I mean, between Green Book and, um, 
and and now I, I now that Adam's kind of gotten me thinking about Roma now. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, when you when you look at all that um, all that data, there it definitely does seem a little bit more probable than it did in my head. We're definitely in kind of like a new era because it used to be, you know, like Return of the King won what like eleven or thirteen Oscars. Oh yeah. Where we now have Best Picture winners that have only won two Oscars, like Moonlight won Moonlight won two or three, and Spotlight won. Two, just yeah, screenplay yeah. and best picture, which is kind of insane. But I think the diversity of the Academy is kind of helping that because I think voters are starting to kind of spread the love as opposed to uh, when it was just kind of the old guard, people kind of stuck to what they used to do. And it's like, well, I'm voting for this in every category. Whereas now, I mean, like Caleb, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, her winning screenplay. I think a lot of people picked American Hustle that year. And Academy voters just went with her because they were like, this is the best screenplay. Like, I don't care that I'm putting American Hustle for best picture, or whatever. I think her is an outstanding and unique screenplay. So it's kind of exciting to see stuff like that. And that's what makes this a lot harder than it used to be when I used to do uh, Oscar predictions, because, you know, now it is possible for a best picture winner to only win a total of two awards, which is crazy. That's a, a a good way to put a spot a positive spin on it as we start to kind of wind down the predictions because uh, I generally have as as you can all tell at the top of the show I think we all had pretty less than stellar feelings about the current state of the Oscars this show in particular but also the direction it's heading in but when you put it like that I think just sh- uh, highlighting there has been more diversity in in films won for different reasons uh, over that to the last ten years or so I think I think it's a great point um, and something to look forward to hopefully uh, come the uh, Academy Awards this year. One other thing, uh, we're talking about Roma. I know we're, we're long over time, so I'm going to try to wrap this up quickly, but I do want to pose the question. One thing we haven't noted about Roma is if it does take home Best Picture, this would be huge for Netflix. Huge. Oh, yeah. And I really want to get your thoughts on this. I have generally low opinions of Netflix as a platform. I think, uh, you know, they, they make so much stuff that, of course, sometimes they're going to get the really good ones. And I know they they really went after uh, Alfonso Cuaron with, with Roma. But do you think this film, if, if Roma takes home Best Picture, do you think that... This signals uh, the beginning of a new era uh, for streaming-only films. I know it did play in some theaters, especially for people who are voting, but um, it would be a, a pretty big deal if a essentially streaming-only movie won Best Picture. Adam, we'll start with you on that question. Uh, it's interesting. I do remember a few years ago, uh, specifically with uh, Be Some No Nation and Mudbound, there was this stigma of like, oh, there's no way the Academy would go for Netflix because they're afraid of streaming. Uh, it's interesting to see them uh, make such a turnaround this year. I think that speaks to the Oscar campaign specifically. I think Netflix has played it really well. Uh, they've spent through the nose on this thing. Uh, like us OFCC members got this giant, gorgeous coffee tail book in Oklahoma for Roma. Yeah. Like, sure. Thanks, Netflix. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very nice, but like, it's very expensive. I will be very interested to see if Netflix continues doing this. Like, if they're serious about awards, if they will spend the same amount of money on, say, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman this year, or if Ted Sarandos is just like, I want to spend all the money and win a Best Picture Oscar but then I don't really care anymore, Uh, (laughs) which I mean could happen depending on, I mean, Netflix is really unpredictable in terms of the industry at large. I do think they did. They made a solid effort to get Roma in theaters. I mean, it played in theaters here in Tulsa, 
um, at our independent theater, Circle Cinema, which I never thought would happen. Um, so it got more of a rollout than I was expecting from Netflix. But I do think it'll be interesting. I, I do think, especially a lot of these younger voters uh, are now kind of living in a world where the majority of the content they consume is through streaming um, and and through online. And I think Netflix with Roma, um, well, I think Mudbound was worthy too. But with Roma, they, they're finally getting recognized for um, releasing an original film. So uh whether that that uh, shakes things up significantly or not, I mean, Amazon had great success with Manchester by the Sea a couple of years ago, but of course they do a much more robust theatrical rollout. Um, I'm interested to see how the the theatrical uh, exhibitors respond. I think that these next two years are going to be really interesting in terms of seeing if the theaters are going to uh, um, basically flinch and change their rules and say, okay, you can put your movie in theaters, uh, you know, as soon as it's on streaming, which they generally do not want um, to do. So that's a long-winded way of saying, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All all great observations. Uh, I, I really, especially with the, you know, the the stream platforms from both Warner brothers and Disney rolling out later this year, this seems like a, a different conversation, but I, I, I really do feel like, that relationship and that uh, competitiveness between streaming platforms and the theaters is about to get a lot more interesting in the next 18 months. So Chelsea, I, I think, I think we had, they, they, they had such a negative response in terms of Mudbound and everybody not getting nominated because they were Netflix that they went in so hard with Roma and they're already talking about next year. I mean, they're already talking about how they're positioning the, the Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie mm-hmm. and they're already talking about that theatrical rollout. And I think that if Roma doesn't win, are we going to see Netflix instead of, pushing and continuing to expand their envelope into theatrical. Are, they, are we going to see a pullback mm, And yeah. I mean, but they're going to lose the Disney money because they're getting ready to roll their platform out. So, I mean, they're already yanking Marvel and all that. So they're going to be losing that money. So they're going to be looking for ways to cut. And I think if they don't win, I think that's where we're going to see it is they're going to say, meet, meet, meet us where we're at. No more awards budget. Mm. No more worse budget. Um, and, and also the Irishman next year. I don't under, under ever underestimate a Martin Scorsese film to be nominated for a ton of Oscars. It would be strange if they didn't have some sort of campaign for it. But uh, as uh, you and Adam, and I think everyone here has agreed, Netflix is kind of unpredictable. Uh, Laurent, you want to close us out on I'm this just, theater I'm, question? I'm, I'm such a traditionalist. So, like, I mean, I, I want people to go to movie theaters. That the experience of going to the movies is part of my love for cinema. So, the idea of us gravitating towards Netflix-based, you know, released films, it just says to me that they're going to be forcing us out of the theaters. And at some point, we're not going to be able to enjoy that experience the same way. Not the same types of films going to theaters, I mean. So, but that being said, you know, that's just, that just, you know, is indicative of my age. And, you know, so, um, you know, we're gravitating towards that millennial age where people want to see more things, more content streaming. So um, I will... I will be watching back with this with apprehension, I'll say. So okay. but. All, right. All right. I do I do really think that maybe Ted Sardanis, this the Netflix, they get the the one Oscar and then he's like, All right, we, we did it, guys. We're we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the one problem there is then Scorsese's like, Well, all these filmmakers that they're working with are like, You did it for Corona, why not me? And if they want yep. to stay in business with these filmmakers, they're going to have to continue doing that. Uh, I could very easily see David Fincher setting up his next movie there. Uh, news broke earlier today that Spike Lee's next movie is at Netflix now. 
So if they want to keep these filmmakers happy, I think they're going to have to continue with some sort of theatrical um, release strategy or presence. And I was very happy that the the big thing that they changed on Roma was that they put the movie in theaters before it was on streaming. And I think if we can move closer towards that, we'll finally find some sort of happy medium. Because the truth is Netflix is producing movies that studios are not making. Like, I don't know if any of you guys saw Velvet Buzzsaw, but that movie's insane. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> worst cinema score ever if it was in theaters and no one would go see it. So I'm happy they're making movies. I wish they were making a better effort to put them in theaters. Yeah, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. And uh, just uh, to close out on that note, I just throw out there that I think Amazon's got that strategy down pat, yeah. put it out in theaters first for a limited run, and then switch it, then release it to your subscribers on your streaming service later. One small note, the Black Panther being the first superhero movie to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, I think that's also something that I don't Are we just chalking that up to like the award again is that it is it is a big, it is nominated. I want, I wanted to be more excited about that. And for some reason, when they announced it, I was like, okay, you know, man, it's and tough. I liked it fine. And I liked the film quite a bit when we saw it, but I just feel like, I feel like it finally got the nomination and it's like, this isn't exactly the superhero movie that I would want it to be nominated for the Oscar for best picture. Years ago, we wanted the dark Knight. Sometime later, you think you said Logan would have been a good option. Right. And finally we get it. And it's like black Panthers, obviously topical because of, um, from, from a cultural standpoint, but it does feel like still, I don't know. Um, this is the one that they finally settled I think, on. I think that one maybe was because potentially Marvel played or not Marvel. Um, the Academy kind of played their hand with announcing the, the popular film category. So we knew that they were looking Vying to, to get, get that, that yeah. nominated. So I think the, the excitement was kind of already kind of cut a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it, it's tough because yeah, I, I think uh, I mean heck, history. I mean, it, history. I mean, no, it, it is a important film. It's yeah. a, I mean, it is significant and it's an achievement. It, it's not my favorite superhero film of the year, and uh, you know, I think you raise a great point. I mean, the reason we have ten nominations anyway is because there was such a huge backlash or one of the reasons I should say was there was a huge backlash, uh, you know, for the dark Knight not getting nominated. And then we really hadn't seen too many good superhero pushes since then. So this being a nomination, I, I feel like I should have been more excited. I I, and Adam, I know I, I saw that you like this movie quite a lot, so I want to get your thought, but, uh, but, but I just, I kind of summing up my thoughts is there was such a demand for it. I almost feel like the, the mentality of the Academy, of it felt like, Oh, we, we, we want to get more people watching this show and we know you people want to watch it. So we're just going to give it to black Panther. So instead of feeling like this big historic, like well-earned thing, it kind of felt like the token, like a phoned in token nomination, which at the end of the day, I just want to point out comes all at the cost of the movie. I think it's more about the conversation around the movie and how the Academy is treating it and less about the movie itself. I think it's a fine movie. Yeah. It just, but you're right. It didn't land with quite the impact. I would have hoped, uh, Adam, anything you want to add in that on that? Yeah, I think there was maybe a sense of inevitability to it because we, again, like we reported back in March of last year that they were uh, mounting an awards campaign. And as I continued writing about the film throughout the year last year, all the Marvel and DC bros came at me saying, there's no way it's getting a best picture nomination. It's not deserving, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I was like, it's probably going to happen. And I just kept saying that. <laughs> um, so it, it just felt like something we had been talking about a lot, but I will go to bat for that movie. I, I do think I really liked that movie when I first saw it, but it was on subsequent watches that uh, I really came to really appreciate the depth that Ryan Coogler put into it. Um I mean, it's 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 dealing with issues of isolationism and morality and what does it mean to be a just and moral country? I mean, it's not just a, a superhero movie. Um, 
and so that to me, I mean, aside from, yes, obviously the, the cultural importance of it, but I don't necessarily think that's the only reason that it got in. I do think it is a pretty exceptional film and, I think that's reflected in a lot of the craft categories. I mean, you get, you've get you got Hannah Beachler nominated for Best Production Design, which is pretty great. Ruth Carter nominated for Best Costume Design. These specific craft categories really uh, um, recognize the film. And it's something you were saying earlier about the score um, for this movie. I think something that Ryan Coogler did that no other Marvel movie had done before and credit to Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel for letting him do this, but they allowed him to choose his own department heads. So he chose Rachel Morrison to be the cinematographer, even though she had never shot a superhero movie before. If you look at the credits for a lot of the Marvel movies, they a lot of them have the same cinematographer, they have the same production designer, they have the same costume designer. And Ryan Coogler went out and chose, you know, he chose Spike Lee's costume designer, and he chose his own production designer and cinematographer from uh, the films that he had made. And I think choosing just really great craftspeople and then letting them do their thing within a genre movie or a superhero movie like Black Panther really made a difference on screen, to me at least. Um, and so that's where I think it stands apart from something like Avengers Infinity War, which a lot of people liked. I wasn't super crazy about it, but just from a pure like craft perspective, I don't think there's anything really remarkable or spectacular about that film. But Black Panther... To me, it just feels every frame you can feel like Ryan Coogler is saying something. Every frame is very meticulously thought out. Whereas you watch like Captain America Civil War and it's like, oh, the second unit had a really great time shooting this entire scene. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're among friends here. You're among friends. We all, when you said you didn't care for uh, Infinity War, all of us kind of nod our heads and put the, the, did the thumb down signal. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was not particularly partial to that film. And I think... Uh, of of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, Black Panther 1 is one of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe films, hands down, and easily the best of the year. So I don't, again, I don't want to take away from it or, or you know, I don't want anyone to walk away thinking that we didn't like it. It's um, just the, the the conversation around it and the awards show has been really interesting. But uh, again, I, I do really appreciate you going to bat for the movie and talking about some of the areas that do make it exceptional. Because at the end of the day, I do think, you know, uh, five years from now, we are going to look back on the, on the film not remembering any of this conversation that was going around or any of the did it land? Was it culturally significant? You know, um, so I, I think those are all really um, great things uh, to mention about Black Panther. So we are wildly over time, ladies and gentlemen. So um, we're going to quickly, there were a few categories we had to skip. So production design, best documentary short subject, best live action short film, animated short, uh, makeup and hair and costume design, not to take away from all the incredible work that was done by everyone uh, in the in, in those fields uh, working this year. Uh, and it's kind of ironic because we were giving Oscars flack earlier for cutting categories, but we had to, to get us in a reasonable time limit, had to remove some of these. But I did want to give you guys a chance to, if you had one or two shout outs that you really want to highlight before we close out the show uh, in those categories, uh, Laron, we'll start with you. And the categories we didn't go over. Yes. Um, and name them again. I'm sorry. Um, so there's production design, uh, best documentary short subject, uh, best live action short film, animated short makeup and hair and costume design. Um, for production design, um, I really enjoyed, um, I believe it was Mary Poppins was yeah. nominated. Yes. I mm -hmm. really enjoyed it a lot. One of the strong elements for me, that's one that we didn't talk about that I liked a lot. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chelsea, anything that you want to uh, make note of? Yeah, I would love to totally hit on uh, makeup and hair and costume. I think that the two costume dramas that we saw in this one, uh, we had Mary Queen of Scots and we had The Favorite. I think that the costuming that came out of both of these 
is was really progressive for one of these movies because we typically see the the dresses and things are a little bit more you know they're, they're more risque and we were actually seeing very period appropriate with the roughs and the the, mm-hmm. the larger cut dresses and i was like fascinated because i love everything to do with tudor history so like yes. i was utterly fascinated with these movies and i, I just yeah. props all around to the, the costume and the, and the makeup and hair in these movies because they they really think they hit it on the on the nose with those yeah, mary queen of scots is probably the best looking movie made this year not the best it was definitely a problematic film for me but i think the look of that movie and the period in the the detail in that was fantastic for sure. i loved it yeah uh, I mean, uh, between set design and then, of course, makeup, hair, costuming. I, I actually agree. That was not a movie I was crazy about. I thought the performances were stellar, but uh, although neither of them were nominated, uh, nor, neither of the leads, I should say. But uh, yeah, makeup and hair and costuming, A++. Uh, Adam, are there any other of these uh, nominees you want to bring light to before we close out the show? Yeah, production design. I, I have the favorite winning that one, and I really love the production design in that film. I also think the production design in Black Panther is really impressive. I don't think Roma will win, but I wanted to note and this is one of the reasons i lament the loss of physical media apparently and i didn't know this so in roma those scenes where the characters are like running down the street and you're seeing all these shop uh fronts and everything they just built all of those sets like they were not allowed they couldn't shoot in the streets of mexico city because it looked different than it did at the time and all of that was built completely i think that's something that netflix hasn't pushed very much I would love to watch again. It upsets me that Netflix doesn't release their films on Blu-ray because I would love to listen to an audio commentary or watch a behind-the-scenes featurette showing how they did that. But like that kind of blew my mind when I learned that. I think it was Guillermo del Toro who revealed that that they just like Alfonso just built all like the house, the street, the cars, the street signs, the shop fronts. All of that was just built from the ground up, which I think is pretty insane. Between the set design, and I want to say like uh, several of those scenes where you saw large groups of people, that the timing on how those very sequential events unfolded with such large groups of people, again, just an all-around super impressive production, very no no doubt. Very convincing, um, very immersive. That's a really good tidbit about the sets. I did not realize that, and uh, wow. Got, they got able to build their own town to shoot, and that is impressive. Um, I, yeah, the biggest one I, I want to hit on was Mary Queen of Scots. Uh, although I, I do think uh, I second uh, want to echo Adam that Roma ha- did have very um, impressive production design, and um, yeah, just go look up these other categories. I'm going to post them all in the show notes. I, I, I really hope that everyone can take a chance to look at uh, production design, best documentary short subject, best live action short film animated short makeup and hair costume design um just to see the awesome work that's done by people who often don't get spotlighted very often in the film industry okay so i think that'll about close out our show uh we're wildly over time thank you all so much for joining us today uh, i do want to give you each of you a chance to talk a little bit about where people can keep up with your online uh, keep up with you online or maybe learn more about some projects you're working on um adam where can people keep up with your work on the internet uh, I am the deputy editor for the website Collider.com, uh, film and television news, reviews, interviews, exclusives, blah, blah, blah. I'm writing there all day, every day, weekends, nights, all the time. I'm never offline. So you can find <laughs> plenty of musings over there. All right. Chelsea, where can people keep up with you online? All right. People can check out me at uh, geekgirlfeatures.com or you can also follow me at tw- on Twitter at CinephileChelsea. So you're going to get a whole dose of a um, little bit of entertainment, a little bit of politics, a little bit of something else. So 
Come visit. Supernatural. Supernatural. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Laurent Chapman. Uh, so I know you, I, a couple things. Firstly, yes, sir. tell folks about the project and the fundraiser you're doing right now and then let folks know where they can keep up with you in the movie online. Oh, yes. I am currently crowdsourcing and um, funding a my second feature film um, titled Freaky AF, a spin on the um, Freaky Friday body swap genre. It is a kind of a political satire where a closeted um, 20 some odd, um, gay character, um, uh, swaps bodies with a bigoted middle-aged, um, Trump supporter who disowned his son for the very same reason. So, um, it's a comedy and it will hopefully, um, ruffle a couple of feathers cause that's my intention. Excellent. <laughs> so, Excellent. Uh, are there, I mean, uh, you guys have an Indiegogo. We have an Indiegogo, uh, going active right now for the next uh, 30 days. So, um, definitely check that out. There's a lot of cool perks there on the site. Also, you can follow any updates on the production of the film at facebook.com slash freaky AF film. So, yes. Excellent. Awesome. And uh, of course, you can keep up with more of our podcasts uh, and written essays over at thecinematropolis.com. And of course, this is the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast. And you can hear our podcast, including past and future episodes, where your podcasts are found, uh, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and if you enjoyed this uh, this conversation we had here today, make sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and read it, leave us a rating and a review. And of course, you can find The Cinematropolis uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram at The Cinematrop or on Facebook at Facebook.com. Com forward slash the cinema shop. And lastly, you can find me tweeting about uh, film, television, video games, any of that good stuff, uh, and likely live tweeting the entire Oscar ceremony uh, at, on Twitter at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. Um, Adam, Laurent, Chelsea, thanks so much for joining the Cinematic Schematic this month. It's been a real pleasure talking about the most exciting time of the year for film fans with you guys this year. And the Oscar for best podcast goes to. It's, untele- it's untelevised, but it's, it goes to you, sir. <laughs>